I want to encourage you to open your Bibles, if you would, to Exodus 32. Exodus 32. Let's pray before we start. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing by your spirit. Thank you for the anointing that rests upon your church. Thank you for the mission you've given us. Thank you for people who love your house, love your mission, who've taken ownership of it and understand the importance of investing their lives in your work. And I pray these next few minutes you would speak to everyone here. Give us encouragement and wisdom for our future. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in a series that's simply entitled On Trial. We're talking about the fact that in life, everybody goes through trials. Everybody faces challenges from time to time. Jesus said in this world you will have tribulation. The word literally is pressure. There will be seasons and times of pressure. But in order for us to navigate the pressures of life, we have to understand the source of the trial, the nature of the trial, what it's all about, what's going on, where it came from. Because if we understand the trial, then we can begin to navigate that trial correctly. All trials are different, and no two trials are alike. And you need to understand from Scripture how to deal with those trials. In our first week of the series, I gave you an introduction and gave you seven ways that we need to approach trials. Last week, we talked about the trial of discouragement. And if you weren't here, you need to hear the message because it'll encourage you in those difficult moments. But today, I want to talk to you about the trial of consequence. The trial of consequence. Let's look at Exodus chapter 32. Towards the end of my message, we'll be looking at Philippians chapter 4 if you want to turn there in advance also. But Exodus chapter 32 now, let me set this up for you, what's happening, because I, I can't read the whole story. Israel has left the land of Egypt, the land of bondage. They've been released by Pharaoh. Moses is leading them on their journey to the promised land. They're now out in the middle of this wilderness desert area. These people of Israel at this time, they've been slaves their entire lives. It's all they know is slavery. Slavery. They've been raised as slaves. This is their first taste of freedom, and they don't even know how to deal with it. They've been so separated from God that their understanding of God is simply the gods of Egypt, the idols of Egypt. So God is leading them. God is speaking to Moses, and they're trying to learn how to follow and walk by faith. But on this journey, God calls Moses up on top of a mountain to give him the commandments, the Ten Commandments for the people, to begin to give him the laws of God for that nation. So Moses goes up on the mountain. He stays many days. There's a cloud that settles upon that mountain. It's a glory cloud, the presence of God. In that cloud, there's lightning, there's thunder, there's noise. And the people are down in the valley looking up on the mountain. And they don't know what's happened except that Moses went up there and he's been gone for days and days and days. And they don't know when he's coming back. Moses left Aaron, his brother, in charge and said, take care of the people. You know how they are. Keep an eye on them. I'll be back in a few days. But God is going to speak to me and give me direction and commandments for the future. So the time comes for Moses to come off the mountain. And Moses is walking down the mountain with the Ten Commandments. Now you got to realize the original Ten Commandments were tablets of stone that God prepared. And God wrote the commandments himself on those stone tablets. Moses comes down the mountain and he hears singing. He hears a party going on. He doesn't know what's happening. He gets closer, and when he gets closer, he sees the people of Israel gathered around this great 
big bonfire, and next to the bonfire, there is this huge golden calf that they've made. And they're celebrating this calf, and they're declaring, this is our God, we will follow this God. Moses gets so angry, he throws the tablets down, and they break into pieces. Later on, Moses had to go through the whole process again and do the commandments himself. But notice this, if you would. Exodus 32, verse 19. So it was, as soon as Moses came near the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing. So Moses' anger became hot, and he cast the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Verse 20. Moses took the calf which they made. He burned it in the fire and ground it to powder. And he scattered it on the water and made the children of Israel drink it. How many of you know that had to be a fun day for the people of Israel? Drinking the water with the golden calf ground up in it. What a way to to end a party. Then verse 21, and Moses said to Aaron, what did this people do to you that you brought so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. In other words, he said, chill out, Moses, calm down. Don't get angry with me. You know the people that they are set on evil. Notice he passes the blame. It's their idea. They're set on evil. Verse 23, for they said to me, make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And I said to them, whoever has any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me, and I cast it into the fire, and this calf came out. <laughs> Some of you have probably read that story before and never really caught that. Don't get upset with me, Moses. It's not my fault. They came to me. They wanted some kind of God to follow like they had in Egypt. So I just took all the jewelry, threw it in the fire, and out came this calf. Consequence. Consequence. Interesting story when you look at this and think about what happened that day. But Have there been times in your life when things didn't go right and you felt like you were drinking dirty water? Have there ever been times when you made decisions and things didn't come out right and it felt like you were being punished for the decisions that you made? Consequence. You see, sometimes in life we go through a trial that is the result of our choices. What is consequence? Consequence is simply the result of the decisions that I have made. I've learned through the years in dealing with people in, in my own personal life, some of our greatest trials are self-induced. Some of our greatest pain in life is self-inflicted because it comes as a result of poor decisions that we've made, which are followed by consequences. And it's really easy in life to come to the place where you're drinking the water of the life that you've lived, and then you feel like, well, this is not fair. What happened here? We're going to talk about all that today. But it's interesting, in the middle of all this, Moses said, Aaron, what have you done? Not my fault. Just threw it in the fire and out came the calf. Let me tell you a little story. I've told this story before, but I, I think it's so important. By the way, some of you are wondering, well, you took all that time up front. Are we going to be here till 1 o'clock? No, we're not. How many of you believe I can preach a fast sermon this morning? Amen. Days of miracles are not over, okay? When I was a young preacher, 
I traveled for about seven years across America preaching in churches. A part of my ministry in those days was music. I was raised in a musical family, sang a lot. Uh, I am musical. I sing great, but Aaron won't let me sing anymore. So if you have a problem with that, talk to Aaron about it. And you'll be getting lots of mail and calls this week, Aaron. <clears throat> That's not true. I, it's the new generation. They've got it. But here, here's, the, here's what I want you to hear. I wrote a lot of music when I was young, and in my traveling days, an opportunity opened up to me. There was a man who had written a lot of famous songs back in the 50s, 60s, 70s. He was a great songwriter. You wouldn't probably know his name, but you would know his music. He gave his life to the Lord and began to produce Christian artists and get involved in producing Christian music. And he got a hold of some of my music, and he called me up, and we met, and he said, I want to produce an album for you. I want to do a project, bring all the original music, write all these songs, bring them to me. We're going to do this album project. And he said, all you have to do is pay for all of the production costs. I don't want a penny for doing it because I will produce the music, copyright the music, and I'll make my profit off of that. And he said, if we do this, you're going to become famous, and everybody in the Christian circles are going to know you, and you're going to have a lot of money. I said, yeah. <laughs> well, next several months, I spent writing a whole album of music. We went and did the album. The problem was to do musicians, to do all the costs, it cost several thousand dollars. It cost a lot of money. And I had to come up with that money. So I did what every smart man does. I went to the bank and I borrowed the money. How many of you know that's probably a mistake number one right there? So I went and borrowed the money because I said, this is the most amazing opportunity. I'm going to be famous, I'm going to be rich, and I'm going to glorify Jesus all at the same time. And of course, Jesus was third in line, but nevertheless, that was the plan. So in this process, I began to pray about the money. I began to pray about getting the finance. And every time I would pray, I got this sick feeling in my stomach. And I mean, something inside said, do not do this. I rebuke you, Satan. Get behind me. I'm not going to listen to your lies. I'm going to be famous and wealthy, and it's all for God's glory. This is going to be amazing. Every time I prayed, same thing. I went right up to recording date. I had this sick feeling inside of me. Went through all the art, everything involved with it, all the way through. I was sick inside, but I was going to be rich and famous, and I was going to glorify Jesus. Not long after we finished the project, and date myself a little bit, I had vinyl records and I had cassette tapes. I mean, it's not, it wasn't that long ago. There were no eight tracks that was already out, but I had the cassette tapes. I mean, we were moving forward. So all I had to do was every church I went into, I did my music, I preached, people would buy the albums and it made the payments on the loan. But soon after I'd finished the project, God changed my calling and he called me to pastor a church church of 300 people. I was 31 years old. He was like, okay. Problem was, I had no outlet to sell my music. I had a garage full of records and tapes, but I had no place to sell them. And I had a payment that was due every single month. And inside, I knew I'm in this mess because I didn't listen to God's voice when he was trying to warn me. I prayed, oh, God, why did you put me in this place? And God said, I had nothing to do with it. I tried to keep you from doing that. Oh, but God, I was going to be rich and famous. Yeah, I have better plans than that. How many of you know that God's plans are better than our plans? Some of us don't understand that. 
Some of us are still fighting that. Young people, God's plans for your life is better than your plans. Believe me, they're better. They're better. So I began to deal with this tremendous weight of pastoring a church, raising two little boys, paying the bills, and try to figure out how to pay this large payment every single month. For two or three years, all I did was basically pay interest and a very little bit of principal. That's all I could do. And every month when it was time to pay the bills, when I wanted to do this and wanted to do that, the money left over had to go to this debt. It was a trial of my own consequence. I created it myself. How do we handle trials of consequence? What do we do when the eggs hatch and everything comes home? When we've made our plans and done it our way and things don't work out and the consequence begins to settle in, what do we do? Well, the first thing we do is, at least good Christians do, the first thing they do is they blame the devil, just like I did. I rebuke you, Satan. You cannot do this to me. You know, the devil's a liar. He's a fool. He's the enemy of our souls. But I'm going to tell you something. He gets a lot of credit for stuff that he has nothing to do with. We give him so much credit for things that he's like, well, dude, I love it when you use my name and give me the press. I love the advertisement. But, I, you know, the truth is I had nothing to do with this. And the next thing we do is we blame God. Oh, God, I know this is your way of punishing me for my evil ways. I know because of all my sins. You're trying to, you know what? Jesus took the punishment for our sins upon the cross. God's not doing that to you. Quit blaming him. For some people, this is the best sermon you're going to hear, best part of the sermon you're going to hear this entire series, this one part right here. Quit giving the devil credit for things he didn't do and quit blaming God for things he didn't do. Because when you're in the trial of consequence, you got to face up to what's really happening. Next thing we do is we make excuses. Well, my advisors, I should, never should have listened to them to start with. Well, it's not my fault I got this big car payment. That sales guy talked me into this. How many of you have ever had buyer's remorse the day after or when the first payment came due? And then we fall into denial. Well, it's not really my fault. It just didn't turn out right. And then usually we end up choosing to just sweat it out, to suffer, to complain, and live in a hole of self-pity. That's the first response usually when you fall into the trial Facing your decisions. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about wisdom? What does the Bible say about foolish mistakes that I might make? One of the habits I've developed the last several years, <clears throat> every year, sometimes two or three times a year, I will read the book of Proverbs. I'll take one proverb per day. There's 31 Proverbs. Take it throughout a month. On the first, I'll read the first, the second, the second, the third, all the way through the month. I'll do that and read through the entire book of Proverbs because the Proverbs are jammed full of wisdom. And if you read the Proverbs, it talks in there about wise people and foolish people. Wise people, foolish people. Jesus talked about wise people and foolish people. And throughout Proverbs, you glean so much wisdom. For example, did you know Proverbs tells us don't sign off on somebody else's loan? How many of you wish you hadn't done that? If people, don't, if people can't get a loan on their own, there's usually reasons for it. It's wisdom to be careful in those situations. Proverbs is jammed full of wisdom. But in Proverbs chapter 1, it's talking about wisdom. Here's what it says. It says, wisdom cries out in the streets. 
Wisdom is saying, come listen to me. If you need wisdom, I'll give it to you. If you need direction, I'm here. I'll give you understanding. I'll give you knowledge. Whatever you need, I'll give it to you. Just come and cry out to me and let me fill you. And what he literally says is wisdom, the spirit of wisdom will overflow you and be poured out on you if you'll just come and look for it. God wants us to live our lives with wisdom, not regret. As conquerors, not living under the consequence of poor decisions. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm telling you a story about me today because I'll get at the front of the line. I've made some poor decisions in my lifetime. And I go through the same things you go through. Blame God, blame the devil, blame everybody else. And at some point in time, i got to sit down and face and say, what happened here? The interesting thing is in Proverbs 1, what it literally says is, when the day comes that you're under all this consequence and all this pressure, wisdom will sit and shake his head and laugh at you and say, I tried to tell you so. I've been there. I've been there. What should I do when I fall into a trial where I'm suffering the consequence of my situations? Well, first thing we need to do is what we talked about the first week of this series. We need to ask God for wisdom. God, what do I do with this situation? God said, if you ask in faith, I'll give you wisdom. I'll give you a course of what you need to do with this situation. The next thing we need to do is we need to face the truth. We need to be honest with ourselves, honest with God, and face the truth. We need to ask ourselves the question, why? How did this happen? How did I get here? And then we need to honestly tell the truth about how we got there. Did I get bad advice? Did you listen to somebody that you shouldn't have listened to? Did, they think, did you think they knew the right answer, but they didn't? That happens sometimes. Or how about this one? Did I ignore a voice of wisdom? I find myself more and more, I don't know if this is good or bad, but I find myself more and more quoting Three Dog Night in my sermons. Let me know who Three Dog Night is. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Well, what they said was, Mama told me not to come. That ain't no way to have fun, son. That ain't no... How many times have we ignored the voice of wisdom and went anyway because we wanted to go, we had to have our way, and then when it was all over with, we wish we had never been there. Now, some of you are afraid to look at your spouse right now. <laughs> some of you are saying, well, no, that, that was the other time around. Okay, okay, put that in behind you. But here's the point. How many times... Have we ignored a voice of wisdom produced problems in our lives? Did I have a lack of information? Did I just not know? You know, I've made decisions because I was dumb. Just didn't know. Later on, came back to haunt me. Did I make an emotional decision? Did I do something because I wanted to do it and it felt good and I never really thought the thing through? I've done that too. So what do we do next? Once you've taken an honest look at the situation and you know what happened, you need to take responsibility for it. Throughout Scripture, you see it. Take responsibility for your own life, for your own choices, for your own decisions. Take responsibility. Next, ask forgiveness. God, I'm sorry I made that mistake. That was stupid. I didn't have the information. I should not have made that decision. I didn't listen to you. I didn't listen to the right voices. I did what felt good. I made an emotional decision instead of a wise decision. Please, God, forgive me. You know what? 
You might even need to go to your spouse and say, forgive me, I made a choice that affected our family that was wrong. I'm sorry. You might affect your children, other people. Go to them, ask forgiveness and make it right. Next thing you do is ask God, what are my steps of retribution? What do I do to make this right? See, here, here's what I did. When God called me to settle down and pastor, and I was no longer traveling, first thing I did, I was a man of God. You know, I was God's man of faith and power. Hallelujah, I'm going to pastor this church. It's going to be wonderful. God's going to take care of all that debt. God, you know those thousands of dollars there. I ask you to take care of it in Jesus' name. The first payment came due, and I'm like, God, where are you? What do I do? You know what God said? Make the payment. But God, make the payment. You made the commitment. Make the payment. Month after month. For two or three years, all I did was basically pay interest on a loan. That was my own doing. But it was a part of my steps of learning. Unless, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I will never go back and make that mistake again because I lived with it. Ask God, what are my steps of retribution? Next thing to do, ask God for new steps of wisdom. How do I get out of this? You know what God spoke to me? He said, you start paying off this loan and you see if I don't bless you. You know what started happening? Every month there was extra money that came from somewhere at the end of the month. And I took that money and I applied it towards the loan. Started paying it down. God said, you keep giving to me. You keep paying off that loan and you see what happens. And I did it. And I followed through month after month after month. Well, after about three years, I still had a lot of debt. Had my nose to the grindstone. It came to the place where every month when I paid that bill and I put down extra money, I just said, thank you, Jesus. The, the, the amount's getting smaller. It's getting smaller. One day out of nowhere, God dropped the money on top of me to pay off that debt completely, and it was gone. I learned a lesson out of that. If I commit my ways to God in his ways, he'll commit himself to solving my problems. But I need to learn diligence in learning the ways of God. The last thing today, I want you to look at Philippians chapter 4. How do I make better decisions? Well, we've talked about a lot of mistakes that we make. How do I make better decisions? Several things. I think we need to always get good advice for the decisions that we make in life, especially major decisions. Even some small decisions can become major issues. We need to get all the facts and get advice, get wisdom from people who know. And may, I, may I also say, get godly wisdom. Get some voices around you. When it comes to financial things, I talk to people who know more than me. When it comes to church issues, major church issues, I talk to pastors who are ahead of me, who've been down roads I haven't been down. Get godly counsel in your life. People who've been down some roads that you haven't been down. They can help you make wise decisions. Next thing is, this is so important. This is not number two because it's less important. It's just number two because this is how I'm sharing it. You need to be praying about every decision that you make in life talking about major decisions you need to be praying. i don't really think god's all that concerned about which shirt you wear to church i really don't think so i think god says i don't care they all look good to me or maybe he says i don't like any of them but you can wear whichever one you want to wear you know that that's that a lot of things god says that's your decision but the important decisions of life the important decisions of life 
You know, I asked Pastor Aaron this morning, I said, Aaron, have you looked at the back of your hair? Have you seen what it looks like? Have you looked in the mirror? Where is he? He's in back here somewhere. I mean, he pays for that haircut. There are certain things God is not all that concerned Even, even his mother doesn't like that one, I'm telling you. Anyway, back to God's work. There are a lot of things God's not all that concerned about, but there are decisions in life that God says, talk to me. Talk to me. Young people, for your future, pray about those things. Because here's what I found. God will drop his peace in your heart so you know how to make decisions. Now look at this, Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6. Be anxious for nothing. In today's vernacular, it simply says, don't be uptight about stuff. Don't worry about stuff. Instead, do this in everything. Say everything. everything. In everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Talk to God about everything. And what happens next? The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. The reason I got into a mess way back then with that record deal was because I prayed about it and every time I prayed inside of me the peace was gone and I knew I didn't need to be doing this but my ego ran after it. My pride ran after it. I knew I was making a mistake. What I learned from that is when there are decisions to be made, God sees things coming down the road that you do not see, and there are decisions that may look great today, but three months from now, it's going to be the totally wrong decision. You've got to have peace with the decisions of life. God said, if you pray about it, I'll give you peace. You start to make the decision and you don't feel right about it, back away. Pray about it some more. Consider all your options. Look at each option until you feel in your heart this is peace. Because what you find from Scripture is God will lead us sometimes by his peace. He always speaks through his word. We know that. There are things in the word that are so clear it answers our questions. But there are decisions in life that we may not find the exact answer in Scripture. We're praying, God, what do I do? God will guide you. By his peace. And his peace leads to paths of peace. Paths of blessing. Paths of prosperity in every area of life. God's ways are ways of peace. And God says, you may not see what's coming down the road, but I see it coming. So here's the direction you need to travel. Several months ago, I... It's been a few years ago now. I sat with a young man who's pretty close to me. He's not a church-going guy. He believes in God, and you know, he, he's, he's just not a real close follower of Jesus like some of us wish he would be. But he was going through some really difficult times having to start his life over, and we sat one day, and he said, I've got all these decisions to make, and it's so heavy, I'm so confused, I don't know what to do. I said, what do I do? I said, break it into pieces, one decision at a time. The one you have to make today Pray about it, and then follow God's peace. Even if you don't understand it, follow God's peace. Follow God's peace. I want to pray for you today because there's some of you in the house today 
Things are not going well right now. A lot of troubled waters. Maybe you feel like you're drinking dirty water. Maybe you're eating the fruit of decisions. Maybe the consequences of decisions made are heavy upon you. You're saying today, what am I going to do? Or, or some of you are here today, you're getting ready to make some major decisions and you're not sure what to do with it. God wants to settle that in your heart today. Right now, I want to pray for you. I care who you are, what you are. If you're facing stuff today, you need God's help with it. I want you to bow your heads. I want to pray for you right now. Father, pray first of all for people going through the trial of consequence. God, we can't run away from it. It's there. Help us to face up to it tell ourselves the truth and deal with what's happened. And God, we ask you for wisdom today. We ask you for help. We're coming to you saying, God, help me. I don't know what to do. Please help me know what to do and let your peace come into my heart. Father, I pray for people in the house today who are about to make some major decisions. Maybe a student. Maybe a mom, a dad, or grandpa, or grandma. Maybe a job situation. Somebody in the house right now is trying to make a decision between two jobs. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would just teach us to follow your peace. God, we're going to lay it before you and lay out all the options and say, God, which one is it? And we ask for your peace. We don't want to make it with just our own wisdom. We need your peace to lead us into the right decision. God, you give us peace. We will follow that peace in the name of Jesus. While heads are still bowed for one more moment, maybe you're here today and maybe you've listened to this message and you think, man, I, I wish God would help me with my problems. He will. He wants to. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, I'm, I'm even, not even in relationship with God. I don't even know God. I don't know much about Him. Is He concerned about me? I'm here to tell you today, God loves you so much, He put His own Son on the cross to pay for your sins bring you into relationship with him and he's just waiting for you to say yes Lord I want your help I want to lead you in a prayer today that will help open that door and begin that relationship with God so I'm going to ask everybody in the house while your heads are bowed and eyes are closed pray this prayer with me you don't have to scream it but everybody pray this right out loud and say these words say God I need you and I open my heart to you I ask for your help I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I need Him to be my Savior, the Lord of my life, so I surrender everything to you. Come into my life. Live in me. Teach me your ways. Lead me into paths of peace. And I will follow you and learn your ways. From this moment forward, you are my father. I am your child. Thank you for loving me.